Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. Well, good morning, church. We'll be in John chapter 10 this morning. We have uh, purposely designed every Sunday, but especially this morning in a palatable way, the Good Shepherd, Jesus being our shepherd, Jesus laying down his life for the sheep. In John 10, Jesus makes a clear connection between himself being the shepherd and the shepherd that we'd love to read about in Psalm 23. And this morning, if Jesus is the shepherd, what am I? I want everyone to ask that question. What am I? If Jesus is the shepherd of Psalm 23, what am I? And Jesus starts in John chapter 10 and he says, Verse, starting in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out his when he has brought out all his own he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice A stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger And verse 6 says the, this figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying What in the world is Jesus saying what well, he's giving them shepherding 101 this is foreign to us as Americans. We like sheepdogs that nip at sheep's heel, and we love to watch them crowd and go into special places. We even compete with that. This is f- further, far away from way shepherds, in this context, shepherd. First off, the thief and the robber doesn't come by the gate. They jump over the sides of the stalls. And once they jump in with the sheep, the sheep don't recognize their voice. They will not follow, but they will run away. If the sheep don't know you and you get close, they flee. But the shepherd, he comes in through the door opened by the gatekeeper. For the shepherd, his sheep hear and recognize his voice. His sheep know, he knows his his sheep so well that he can call each one by name. And get this, as a shepherd leads in front and sheep follow him. Is this real? Does shepherds actually do this? So we're going to watch this video and see if it is true today, modern day. One more time. (laughs) 
The sheep responded to the shepherd's voice. Did you hear the kids coming up for trying to imitate him? Whatever that was. I listened to it like 40 times this week trying to figure out what in the world they're saying. I have no idea. But the sheep did. And they recognized the shepherd's voice. And Jesus says this to an audience who would have known. But look at verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. They didn't get it. And hopefully by the end of this morning, you do. Because if Jesus is the shepherd, what are you? And what does that mean? And we're going to combine... Psalm 23 with John 10. We like Psalm 23. We like the idea of our shepherd in Psalm 23. If you don't know anything about God and you go to a funeral, you're going to get Psalm 23 on the little paper. But verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus again says to them in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. As we explore this section of John chapter 10 this morning, we will, I will try to illustrate where Jesus literally says what he's like in Psalm 23. <clears throat> Jesus is the door for the sheep. You find this in Psalm 23, verse 1. Entrance is by Jesus. Jesus is the gatekeeper. He is the protector. Jesus is the door <clears throat> to salvation. He's the pri provider of pasture. He is the sustenance. He is life. Psalm 23, he leads me by, leads me to pasture. He is the door to salvation. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the giver of life and life abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who knows his sheep by name. The sheep experience a relationship with Jesus. Just like Jesus and the Father have a relationship with each other. Jesus is the good, the noble, the true shepherd as he lays down his life for the sheep. And move to verse 16. <clears throat> you might be saying, well, this was cool because Jesus was saying this to some sheep that were standing around him then. What in the world does this have to do with me today? Look at verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. That's you. You're another fold, but you're all part of one flock. We are all part of one flock. They too will listen to my voice. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus is the chief shepherd. We read about that this morning in 1 Peter chapter 5. The chief shepherd. And there will be others who will listen to his voice. But the thief and the hired hands... They just come to steal and destroy the sheep. They want to break in and come over the sides. But the sheep know that this is not their owner. This is not their master. And when tough times come, what happens to the hired hand? He splits and lets the sheep fend for themselves. But Jesus does not abandon the sheep. It's a direct opposite of Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is the direct opposite of the thief or the hired hand. Now what Psalm 23 doesn't say explicitly, Jesus repeats, look at it, four times. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep in verse 15 again. The Father loves Jesus as he laid down his life for the sheep that he may take it up again. Verse 17, that's the resurrection. Jesus' life was not taken. He laid it down of his own free will. The Father granted Jesus the authority to both lay down his life and to take it up again. Verse 18, look. 
Not only is he the good shepherd, he's the God shepherd. Not only does he love you and want to lead you, he died for you. He laid it down. It wasn't taken from him. It wasn't just a series of bad events that happened to a good guy who got caught in a bad spot and ended up hanging on a cross. And well, let's make a savior out of the guy. Now, this is the good shepherd who voluntarily laid down his life for the sheep. Look at the, how many times Jesus repeats it. It might be just a little bit important. Combine Psalm 23 with the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. That's a crazy idea. And how are these, how is this message of the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep doing all of what Psalm 23 says? How is that received amongst the people? Verse 19, there was division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Look what he's done. Jesus says, hey, I'm Psalm 23 incarnate. I love you like this psalm says, like you all know, and basically all of America knows, who's even had a little bit of experience at the Bible. And he says, I am that shepherd. I lay down for my life for the sheep, and I will take it up again for the sheep. And it's met with a ton of skepticism today, vilification and slander. They reject what Jesus says. But what in the world do you say? I'm cool with being a sheep until I'm a sheep. I'm cool with having a shepherd who does all that for me. Just don't call me a sheep. Has anybody been around sheep? Yeah, you don't want to be no sheep. You want to be a strong bull. Or a good, at least a good draft horse. They're dumb, but at least they pull a plow. Sheep are nothing good for nothing except for eating and having wool. They're the dumbest things that ever lived. I'm okay with him being the good shepherd, but I ain't no sheep. I'll give me some Jesus, but don't make me follow you. Don't make me so dependent that I act like a sheep. In fact, to be called a sheep is to say, you're so brainwashed, you're acting like a sheep. It's a derogatory term today. Are you willing to accept that and say, I will be the sheep to the shepherd. I will accept him being the shepherd, so what am I? Am I a sheep, really? Do you listen? Do you follow? Do you take comfort in his rod or staff? The shepherd steps it up a notch starting in verse 22 because he says, I am the anointed one. Not only am I your shepherd, but I'm the anointed one. Look at verse 22. And at that time that the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me as greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You can see the Jews just getting upset with him. 
We don't want any more beating around the bush. Jesus, just tell us plainly, enough already. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? I love Jesus' answer. I've told you. My teaching is plain enough that the answer is before your eyes, but you don't have eyes to see. What I've already done in my Father's name bears witness, is my testimony, is the proof of what I've been doing, and it answers your question. Verse 26, look what he says. Okay, so you don't believe when I say, why not? Because you're not my sheep. It continues this idea of being the shepherd for the sheep. Belief means accepting who your shepherd is and being allowed to see yourself and giving yourself the title of sheep. Disbelief is, I like to have a shepherd, but I'm not your sheep. I am not one of your flock. Let's review again. This Jesus is again connecting Psalm 23 with what he's saying to them in their answer. Are you the Messiah? Yeah, I am Psalm 23 in front of you. I will lay down my life for you and I will take it up again. Look what he says. You will hear my voice. Psalm 23, 1 through 2. The sheep hear Jesus' voice. Are known by Jesus. They follow Jesus. If you're going to follow, you have to listen. And that implies obedience. You have to be able to hear. The Kid Nation thing this morning went off better than I ever thought it would. He could hear him, but it's a whole other world if Max obeys his dad. Sometimes we can hear Jesus, but do we follow? Think for a second in our video that there's a wolf, bear, or some other thing up there that's going to kill the sheep. And so some local yokel that thinks they're being nice starts yelling for the sheep. And the sheep are like, that guy's a moron. Second person comes up, the sheep don't pay attention. The shepherd starts going, and they're like, what? Well, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now we heard you. We heard you fine. We hear us some Jesus. Come on, come on. No, we're good at hearing. We can hear you. With your own kids, is it okay to say, or your own relationships? Hey, I heard you just fine. I don't want to do what you said. I'm good at hearing. Do we follow Jesus? And look, he says, if you follow, you have life. And life abundantly. And not only do you have life, but you shall never perish. Hearing, knowing, following, then he gets to the never perish part. Psalm 23, verse 6. And are secure. If it's anything sheep need is security. They cannot provide it on their own. Are you secure because of what you have done as a sheep has made you secure? 
Or is it you're secure because your shepherd is taking care of you? The rod and staff is to protect you from your own knuckleheadness because the staff isn't just a walking staff. In line. Have you ever tried to corral sheep? Let's go. And they listen. They're comforted. But it's also the Glock 45. I will kill those who attack my sheep. It's a weapon. You're telling me that Jesus comforts me with the same thing he shoots an enemy with. I don't like that. I don't like some rod and staff. I don't like some discipline in my life. I like a good shepherd that loves me and I can put on a Christmas card. But that is our security because the shepherd has us. And not only does he have us, he says, my father has you in his hand. And by the way, he, that's the biggest hand ever. That's like the, the metaphor I can't even begin to explain it. The psalmist talks about God the Father's hand holds all the oceans as if it was a, a drop. I don't know, you guys have been to the ocean? We live in Florida. Imagine holding that bad boy in the palm of your hand so it's like a little, you know, oh yeah, there goes some ocean. And in that hand, that's where you are. Secure. And then Jesus makes the crazy statement. Look, Verse 30, I am, I and the Father are one. So what do you think the Jews do? Yep, verse 31, the Jews pick up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it's not for good work that we're going to stone you, but for the blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, why do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know that and understand the Father is in me, and I am the Father. And again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. They, Jesus makes incredibly bold statement. They're at, you're yelling. What are they yelling for Jesus to make clear? Are you the Christ? I told you already. I'm going to show you that I am the shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep and take it up again. And I'm God. For this, they want to stone him. Rightly so. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, if you claim to be God, we can kill your hind end. So he makes, this is the second time in two chapters they picked up stones to try to kill Jesus. And Jesus answers, I have evidenced myself to you. For which one of these are you going to stone me? Jesus says, basically, what about, why do I, what do I deserve the stoning? And they're the ones that say, hey, you make yourself as God. This is one of the clearest parts in Scripture. Somebody says to you, well, I think Jesus was a good guy, but he wasn't God. Right here. Pretty clear. Very clear. Because of their reaction and what he says, I'm going to kill him, they would say. Because you make yourself God. 
Now, how many of you were confused when I got after that? With the Psalm 82. Because Jesus says, he, he starts in verse 34. Is it not written in your law, I said, if you're God's? From there on. What Jesus is doing is he takes a historical precedence of Psalm 82. Let me give you a little back insight here. Jesus makes the claim that I'm God and they want to stone him, right? So he says... If I deserve to die for what, what I do, did I deserve to die? And they say, you claim to be God. So Jesus goes to Psalm 82 and quotes it to them. Now, at the time and still today, Psalm 82 is debated like crazy. Jesus jumped on the bandwagon of what had been debated because in this verse, in Psalm 82, their word is God's is used. God holds court with people that are called gods. So Jesus says, if I'm guilty of the death sentence for claiming myself to be God, okay, let's go back to Psalm 82 and see if I qualify for death sentence. So let me take you through Psalm 82 real quick to see what's happened here. In the beginning of Psalm 82, God takes his seat in a court of judgment and he sits down to these people and says, all right, okay, so you're all gods. And the charge is, hey, your judgments are flawed because you show partiality to the wicked. If you're a God and you're showing partiality to the wicked, not so good. Second charge, you do not mitigate justice to the afflicted and maintain their rights. If there's somebody that's having a sucky time in life, you don't take up their cause. You're not a God. The third charge there is you don't rescue the weak and needy by delivering them from the wicked. You, do, you see a need... You don't protect them from the wicked. No. So there's three charges God brings against them. And his conclusion in Psalm 82, 5 is, you're a bunch of blithering morons and walk in darkness. So what's his sentence? What is the sen what's the end of the court that God holds with these people? You're all going to die. So you see what Jesus has done. All right, y'all. I just claim to be God. Let's go back to Psalm 82. Let's go to high court. Let's pretend that I'm on trial. Do I deserve to be killed? So in John 10, 36, Jesus puts himself under the same standard in Psalm 82. And he says, are these jar charges justified? And he says, hey, the scripture can't be broken. And it's true. So he says, okay. Let's see if I can uh, live up to these standards. In John 10, 37 through 38, Jesus seeks and asks them to bring supporting charges against himself. Do you come to the same conclusion? Look at what I've done. Do I do what the psalmist said in 80, Psalm 82 was guilty of? When, when God held court in Psalm 82 and said, for these things you've done and you're guilty. Jesus says, look at everything I did. Do any one of those, did I not take up the case of the afflicted? Did I take care of people? And by the way, he just got done talking about being the good shepherd. Then he says, the end of it, he makes another God claim. The Father is in me and I am the Father. Basically, he restates, I and the Father are one. Case closed. Again, the Jews refuse Jesus' logic. 
And again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. In Psalm 23, that doesn't say so much, all the times in John 10, five times, the shepherd does what for his sheep? Lays down. Have you noticed in John so far how many times they've tried to take it? They sought to arrest him. And how many times have they succeeded? Okay, you got a little Jewish feller there, and you got a bigger, big crowd. How hard is it going to be to arrest a guy when we want to kill him? We got an angry mob. Have you ever been in part of something that went a little bit crazy in a large group, an angry mob kind of thing? I've kind of been there. It's nuts. You, you, you're kind of outnumbered. The monster of the mob is insanely powerful, and yet they can't take Jesus' life. They cannot arrest him. Because why? It's not on his timing. He is going, he, his life is not taken. He voluntarily lays it down. So he's the shepherd who is also the Christ. Puts himself on the Jury's up on the stand and says, guys, am I guilty? Then kill me. The conclusion of that is, we reject you. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to listen to you. We will not follow. But look at verse 40. And he went again, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many people, many believed in him there. They follow the shepherd. Jesus leaves this area without harm, without being arrested, without his life taken, and he goes back where? To where John the Baptist, where Goofy Uncle, where Goofy John hung out. You know, he did that whole baptizing thing, he had the locusts, you know. All that. And he just did some baptizing stuff. But remember when we went through John 3, John the Baptist taught a bunch about Jesus and a lot of detail about Jesus. In John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36, John teaches a lot. So he taught a lot about Jesus being the Savior and the Messiah and what he keep young. Look, the Lamb of God that takes away sin of the world. He was the neon sign in the dark that kept saying, there he is, there he is, there he is. I'm like, well, then why are you losing all your disciples? Well, there he is, there he is. That's the Messiah. That's God. That's Jesus. This is everything about him. There he is, there he is. So Jesus does this shepherd discourse, evidences himself as a Psalm 23 shepherd who's going to lay down his life and voluntarily lay it down and take it back up again. And like, we're going to kill you for claiming to be God. And he says, put me on trial. He's innocent of that, and so he leaves this stadium and goes back and hangs out where John the Baptist used to be. John the Baptist is going to die, right? John the Baptist is dead. And they say, what? John did no sign. He never did nothing. He just talked a lot and baptized people. And yet, people believed. Jesus had evidenced himself in front of people, gone back to a historical place that had some significance to those people there because of what John taught, 
And John, having never performed anything miraculous, people come to know Jesus. Many people believed in Jesus there. So if Jesus is the shepherd, what are you? What am I? Are we listeners? Are we sheep? Okay, first of all, are you sheep? Do you believe that Jesus came, died, buried, rose again, his promises, return? Then do you hear him? And then do you follow? If you're on the hillside and the good shepherd starts doing this, are you looking up and saying, ah, I know that guy? Or do you come running? Do you come running back to the person, to the shepherd that is like Ezekiel wrote about? God said, I'm going to mend the broken. No, I'm going to take care of that by myself. I got a sheep doctor up here. We do that stuff, though, don't we? At the same time, we're getting wearing our sheep a little herd, and something crazy comes busted in. We're like, hey, we got this. And we find out we're sheep. We have no defensive mechanisms worth a hoot. The shepherd calls. Do we come running? Do we obey him? Then the shepherd tells us to do what? As sheep follow my voice, listen to my voice, I know them all by name. And the shepherd is going to say, go and make disciples. Go find and make other sheep. Are we following Jesus in a way that other people notice? Because one of the things I read this week that they can bring shepherds over there can bring in all their flocks. You can have five flocks put together on the same hillside. So here we are. We're on an expedition from Grace Church of Ocala. We want to watch shepherding in person. So we watch up and walk up and there's three shepherds standing there, let's say. And there's all these sheep on the hillside. They're all mixed together because there's no fences, by the way. And they, the shepherds get done talking. They say, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. So they start going, and they start calling their sheep. Do you know that flock will separate into three and follow those shepherds on where they go? So who are you listening to? Will the rest of the sheep see, hey, I see that guy going. I see where that lady is going. They've shared their life with me this week, and why would they follow that goofiness? You mean there's a God who laid down his life for me and took it up again and said, hey, now follow me? Are you following the shepherd? The chief shepherd of 1 Peter. What is he asking you to do this week? This is the part I can't answer for you. Are you sheeping it all alone or are you sheeping it with others? Is Psalm 23 real today? In a way that that's my Jesus. That is the Jesus who takes care of me as Psalm 23. In your community, and as you're following Jesus, if somebody were to come up and say, why do you follow at that church? Why go to that one? You're a bunch of dumb sheep over there. You're just getting brainwashed every Sunday. What's your answer? 
Why, why be part of Jesus' total flock in that particular fold? What would you say this week if somebody came and said, why at that one? Why then? Why with them? What is your answer to that? And can you share Jesus in the context of Psalm 23? A lot of people know Psalm 23. And say, hey, you know what? That shepherd exists. That's just not a cool poem from a bunch of dead Hebrews. That's just not something to be read at funerals. Or to hang on a plaque on a wall. I got my Psalm 23 up there. But to share Jesus as that shepherd who does everything in that beautiful lyric song. By the way, Pastor Michael teaching this, that song has been so cool. Because that's Jesus he's talking about. He's teaching us about. Then to share in your community this week, okay, man, life's really been tough lately. Blah, blah happened to my aunt. Man, what are we going to do with this election series? Everything has gone nuts. Hey, you know what? Jesus is a shepherd through the valley of shadow. He's got it. I'm following his voice, not CNN. Just giving you an example. So for opportunities, pray for opportunities to share Jesus in the context of John 10 and Psalm 23. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org.